have your sanity in order because it would be put to the trial in this mystifying process. Welcome, my mere mortalites, to another round of the book reviews. My name is Karen, and I do these reviews for those who want to transcend beyond their own mere mortality to get some juicier info from the books that they're reading, and perhaps get some new ideas of some books that they should read. And this is one that'll definitely, yeah, it's a it's a bizarre one. We have the trial by France. Kafka. Now, this book was published in 1925, and it's about 230 pages in length. So it's not super, super big, but it will be, it's sufficiently big enough to, to confuse you, that's for sure. It tells the tale of Joseph K, who through most of the book is just referred to as K. And he's a regular banker, sort of ordinary man who one day wakes up and is basically accosted by two men or three men in his uh, in apartment and he is told that he's been accused of a crime and he needs to go through a trial. However, it is a bizarre and unclear process. No details are given about his accusation, what he's actually done. And so he goes through this whole journey of, of trying to find out what's, what's happening to him. So it initially starts with these three men and, you know, sort of accusing him of things and eating his breakfast. And, uh, you know, he's just generally kind of not understanding what's going on. He then goes through to the magistrate and this crowd in this special building and he's, uh, you know, demanding that answers be given. And the whole process starts to become a little bit surreal. And you're like, what's going on here? Like, this doesn't really make much sense. And that feeling just continues and continues. So he eventually gets a lawyer and an advocate and then he goes to a a painter who has special insight knowledge of of how this trial process works. And he is continually going down this rabbit hole of trying to, um, you know, acquit himself or show or prove that he's a free man and that he did nothing wrong, despite not knowing what it is that he's actually being accused of. And this just keeps going. His work at the bank becomes intolerable and he keeps finding these bizarre situations and it it grows ever increasing and his um, feelings of desperation seem to grow and grow until it reaches a pretty abrupt and dramatic climax at the end, which I I won't uh, spoil here. I'll touch a little bit upon the author himself and maybe how this book was written. So this was uh, written in 1914-1915 period, but it was published uh, posthumous. So this is why it was published in 1925, 10 10 years later. And uh, he was uh, a Czech, born in the Czech Republic or Czech, um, that region of the world. I'm not sure of what countries were around at that time because uh, this was right before World War uh, one or slash during World War One, so a lot of changes were happening in the world then. Uh, but he always wrote his books in German, I believe. So this is a, a translation from German into the English. He lived from 1883 and um, died in 1924. So this was released a, a year after his death. And he had a, a pretty rough life in, in many ways. He de- developed tuberculosis. I believe he had a bit of an alcohol addiction problem. Um, and I'm not sure how much of this played but he in, into his writing style, but he wrote realism but with a mix of the fantastical um, attached within it. And this will get us onto the very first theme, which is Kafkaesque, uh, which is a surreal yet menacing feeling. So he did have a very distinct style, a, a way that is 
you can read one of his books and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this was, this was written by a Kafka, I believe. I've only written, uh, read one of them, but if uh, it definitely is a, a book which stands out in my mind as being pretty unique. And so what is Kafka? What is this surreal yet menacing feeling? We'll look at it through the progression of K and you can see that it's a sort of startling, but it's also a possible beginning. You can sort of imagine waking up one day and, and sort of having people barging into your room and accusing you of things. This happens all the time with uh, people, you know, SWAT people getting the wrong house and stuff. It's sort of like, okay, I can, I can sort of understand that. Uh, and yet it quickly becomes a, a more sinister. So as he progresses along, it starts to become like, okay, something is really wrong here and, and it's really hard to find out why. And this is why it's so per perplexing. Um, there's one particular scene which I think really highlighted just how how weird this got, which was when the, the initial two men who broke into his uh, apartment, or I shouldn't even say broke into, entered into his apartment, um, they he had made a complaint of this whole process of these two people because they had uh, asked for bribes and they'd eaten his breakfast and he was very upset about this. And uh, across his work one day, he walks into a, a closet of, of some sort and the two men are there and there's another man with them called the Whipper and he is beating them with a like a, a rod of some sort, not to an extent to kill them or anything but and and there's even questions on how much it would actually hurt but the is sort of just like well like why is this happening in my work this is so you know strange why are these two men being punished i never uh accused them i didn't want them to be punished i i, I made a complaint but i didn't accuse them and i didn't want them to be hurt or anything like that um and the whole the whole interaction is <laughs> typical of whatever everything else in the book, which is super bizarre and weird, uh, yet somehow sort of makes sense in a way. But he eventually ends up realizing like, okay, I, I can't help these two guys in, in, in any manner. And he leaves, comes back the next day and he's passing by the same room and he looks in again and everything is exactly the same. The two men are still there uh, being whipped by this other man and as soon as he opens the door, it's almost like the same conversation starts again. They start pleading, sir, sir, like we need your help. Uh, and he just shuts the door and, and sort of like runs away and, uh, and gets angry at other people saying like that room's dirty, like it needs cleaning up and whatnot. I think that that really, that that scene in itself was just, it's it's so good for me because it, 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 it sums up in many ways the, the whole book, which is just like, this doesn't make any sense. If someone from the outside saw this situation, it would it would be totally nonsensical. Yet for Kay, it, it almost makes sense in a very weird and bizarre way. And I'm going to keep re repeating weird and bizarre because uh, that is what this book tends to offer. And uh, I'll even get into the definition of, of sort of what I've, I've found from Kaskaf, which is senseless, disorientating, uh, it's distortion with a looming danger. It's perplexing and, and somewhat even hopeless. So these mystifying, another great word to, to use with this. So it's almost like all of these things wrap up in together and uh, you're, in, you're in a dream-like state where 
things don't make sense, but they kind of make sense in a way. Um, and I'd say the defining ca- characteristic of, of what Kafka is, is uh, the, that sense of impending doom. So you can be confused, you can be not understanding anything, but it's when there's this feeling attached of something is wrong here, something is continually going bad and it's it's sort of progressing even worse and worse and and you don't know why and you can't really explain why as well that i think is is what you can really that's what i certainly felt from this book and uh that that kafkes feeling of uh it's it's real life but it's it's also has that element of the fantastic thrown within that truly bizarre thing that doesn't make sense and yet it, it continues on and uh, it's it's bad in a way. Like it has this negative undertone that, that lies throughout it. And now the second theme I wanted to get onto was uh, reason, which is escaping the, the Kafka quandary. So when we look at K and when I look at the book, I, I, I somewhat think K is rational but not reasonable. This is a, a, a nice little quote and idea that I've, I've found recently, which I think... Uh, explains many a thing and uh, I'll, I'll explain why. So his arguments in the book are rock solid. So when he goes to the magistrate, he he comes up with some brilliant uh, arguments of, of, you know, speeches of why this, this whole trial process is a sham, why there's no authority behind you as the as the magistrate, who gave you the power to, to arrest me? What, how dare you do this? Like the way I've been treated is unethical and et cetera. And you, you read it and you're like, damn, that makes total sense even his decision making like the cost benefit analysis of of is is impeccable you you know he's he's trying to figure out okay like what's the best way to sort out this trial process should i continue with the advocate or this lawyer who is you know a bit suspicious and he's not really helping and you see how he's behaving with other clients and it's like oh no, no, I'm, I'm probably going to, you know, even though I'm unsure of this process, it's probably best if I represent myself and and, and whatnot. Um, he has this tireless approach to solving the problem. Like he, 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 he wants to fix this trial. He wants this problem solved. And all of this is 100% rational. You look at that and you're like, that's a rational dude making rational decisions. But I don't think any part of it is, is reasonable. Um, it's almost like reason is a sort of second order thinking. It, it, it has to be done over the top of, of your rationality. Uh, I should probably correct myself and say the reason and rationality sort of combine right at the start when he is first confronted by this accusation and, and realizes that he's going on a trial. That is his, his reaction to that is 100% understandable, which is like I need more details what is what's going on here why am I being accused what am I being accused of and you know two men have entered into my place and there was a third one in the other room as well uh I I need to know more info I need to know more details because this is not part of normal life the problem then is then he continues on and he never sort of steps to take like takes a step back and goes okay like of all the possible information that I have, everything that's going on here is the approach, this rational approach I'm taking, the most reasonable thing to be doing. And this is where I would argue probably not. This is where it's almost like you need to to so- somewhat 
take that step back and realize like, oh, okay, what's, let's use some logic here. Is anything I'm doing helping to solve this problem? No, because it's unsolvable. It's uh, the, the trial, the magistrate, the whole process is perplexing, confusing, uh, a mirage of different actors and people saying different things and directing him to places that don't exist. And yet uh, when he comes up with his own fictions, like when he starts looking for, uh, I think it was uh, Lorenz or something like that, when he just invents a name to to um, try and find where he needs to go, then he somehow finds where he needs to go. So I think he needed to take a step back and and really sort of analyze and be like, okay, that second order thinking, is this a reason? Is this reasonable? And that's when it probably would have been like, you know what? It's more reasonable to not worry myself about everything that's going on here because I have no impact on it whatsoever anyway. It's not like the things that he was doing were helping the situation. And I would be pretty reasonably confident that if he did nothing, his situation would not worsen as well. So I like to ask a question to myself almost, which was, would he have be, behaved differently if this situation was, was non-human? So taking a step back from the book now, which was reasonable and, and, uh, and it was, he was rational, but not reasonable. And can a situation like he was finding in this Kafka surreal world of, of being put on trial, could that same sort of situation occur in a, a situation not involving other humans? So imagine if you were trying to build a house and you found that there was a bunch of termites in there and you're like, oh, damn termites, like, I'll, I'll fix this problem by, by getting um, something that eats termites or putting in a, a, a solution that'll um, de- deter termites from coming in. But then, you know, this solution then makes the ground a little bit um, more toxic and it's, it's killing off uh, your plants that are nearby. So you're like, all right, well, I'll, I'll, um, I'll put some more plants in here, which are uh, a bit more amenable to, to being around in this area where it's got this toxic solution that I, I use to get rid of the termites. And yet this new species of plant um, attracts termites to it because that's where termites like to live or something like that. Imagine this full rotating process or cir- cyc- uh, cyclical circular process where you have no, uh, you, you can't win in any single way. And, uh, you know, this is just a sort of silly hypothetical, but you could imagine uh, another situation which has a bit more implications if your life was in danger or something like that. And yet I would I would say that it, you couldn't have that same Kafkaesque surreal thing because there was no there was no humans attached to it. Like, who are you going to blame? You can blame the termites, but you know termites are just doing what termites are doing. They're they're sort of set in stone and 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 fact. Uh, whereas all of these situations, which are more Kafkaesque, they seem to. I can't imagine one which doesn't have humans of some sort in the mix. Now, this could be uh, a government bureaucracy. This could be, you know, trying to get your driver's license and you don't have the correct papers. So you go down the hallway and they direct you to here and you can't go there because you've switched your house in the last eight months. So you need to go to this other place. And they say, well, yeah, we can give you those documents, but we need to first prove your identity. Can you show me your license? And you're like, well, that's what I'm trying to do. So... You could imagine something like that. You could imagine something like if you have a partner who 
absolutely hates the color red and then you say okay i'll start wearing blue clothes and then because you're wearing blue clothes they they get angry at you because now you're um, listening to them too much and they want a more confident partner who uh, is is confident in their own decisions and steps their foot down so you're like okay i'll start wearing red and then they hate you again because you're wearing red i think all of these situations get back to the point where it's it's got humans involved and humans can value things differently. We change over time and there is, there's no sort of certain fixability in humans and, and our decision-making. So there's always going to be a bit of fluidity or some or something. And yet you can rely a lot more on the physical world. Like I can rely on this book to behave like a book because the atoms in it uh, are constructed in a certain way. Like I can rely on a bird to be doing what it does because, you know, it, birds are always somewhat beha- behave the same way. I'm not going to have a a bird come up to me and start engaging me in a, a different dialect other than cheeps and, and tweets because, you know, birds can't do that. Whereas humans, we, we seem to have this flexibility to us, which can be uh, kind of fun in many ways, but also extremely aggravating and if you're trapped in a kafkaesque world with bureaucracies and governments and people changing their minds and you know family dynamics and politics and all of that just i I don't know how to describe it gooey crap and then add some impending doom and surrealism to it i think that's how you 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 get yourself in a bad situation so Coming back once again to the topic of, of reasonable but uh, uh, escaping the, the Kafka quandary, you almost need to have that reason. So don't don't be too rational in, in certain situations. Uh, taking that step back somehow and, and using some logic or some reasoning to realize, okay, this is unsolvable and trying to fix it is is not helping me in any way whatsoever. So some observations and takeaways from from my part. Uh, I think this book is amazingly perceptive. So this was written before the USSR and yet it seems so identical to the feeling, the atmosphere that I got from the Gulag Archipelago, particularly in the section where um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn was was describing the the time before you actually went into the Gulags, which was neighbors ratting each other out, you know, secret police coming you get accused of something, but you're not sure of what it is, and you're put on, you know, a trial. And the only way to to get out of it is to accuse other people or to to behave in this, you know, b- bizarre, surreal way. And and they might let you out, and you can go home, but you're always knowing, like in the back of your head, they could come in and the middle of the night and take me away or take my family away. Um, I think he he captured that. Like, how the hell did he? capture that in this book before that sort of stuff even happened maybe these sort of things were happening in in the czech republic or where wherever he lived um the czechoslovakia maybe um before the ussr was invented like created maybe i i, I don't know enough about history to be honest but man he I, I just feel this book was so perceptive in in describing a period of history and describing certain systems that humans created uh which were i think definitively bad and uh and not not um not an ideal way to live i think as well this book 
uh, is great for having an expanding metaphor in many ways. Like you could exp- you could interpret this however you wanted. Uh, you could interpret this as like depression. This is how the stages of depression go. So sort of taking it back and being like, okay, what what is that feeling? Why why does this a feeling occur? And the mental processes that that Joseph K goes through in the book. Are these mental processes similar to, I don't know, the the human condition if you're lacking meaning in life, if you're trying to find, you know, what's the meaning of life and not getting an answer, it's unsolvable, Um, you know, having dreams or maybe even if you're caught up in the law system or I I think this is just a great, great book for if you're having an unsolvable problem of some sort, this, this book would sort of makes sense in many different ways and you could say oh this is a metaphor for the the process of trying to get a driver's license or or something like that so in summary uh, i think it's an amazing description of something i'm not exactly sure uh the world he creates is a familiar and yet totally not understandable at the same time it's it's such a, a mix of of all of these different things and the the one certainty is that there's almost no certainty it's it's sort of everything is up in the airs in terms of why is this trial happening to joseph k why how can he solve it what why are these people behaving like they are why does they you know they misinterpret what he's saying and all of these just things wrapped up in together i honestly would say i wouldn't read this if you are lacking a, a sort of a path in life if you're kind of uncertain if you're not feeling uh, uh I, I suppose uh, i know what you want to do with life if you're if you're lacking meaning of some sort i i, I think this can actually be kind of unhelpful to your to your sanity in many ways because it's it's bizarre it is so so bizarre uh it's definitely a distinct book that will be hard to forget i um need to mentioned briefly here that this was uh, more of a reread for me i read this initially in uh, 2019 and this was more of a skim over for me i didn't read every single word of of this book like i i normally do because i'd already read it before and was like oh, i want to return to this and uh, and and see if it still holds up to to my impression of it um, initially so i'm going to give it um, an eight out of ten the trial by Franz Kafka, and I would say maybe listen to the book recap that I do at the end of the month because I'll have um, a bit more of uh, to explain about my the metaphor that I initially took out of it and how my reading of it this time was was different from uh, my initial reading. And so that is it for today, my mere mortalites. Thank you for joining me to the end of this audio. What are your thoughts on Kafka? Have you read The Trial? Have you read any of his other works? Have you found yourself trying to get a driver's license and stuck in the bureaucracy that is uh, intangible, mystifying, and somewhat menacing and sinister (laughs) in many different ways? Uh, I would love to know all of these things. The best way to do that would be to send me a Boostergram. So Boostergram is a payment of satoshis attached to a message which you can send directly in the app that you're listening to right now so if you're listening in a decent podcasting app you can hit that boost button or the which has the lightning symbol on it and send me through a message i really do appreciate it and i read out every single one of them in the end of month 
book recap. This is a value for value podcast. So if you've gotten value from my understandings, my learnings here, my somewhat ramblings, which are maybe a Kafkaesque in in their own way, uh, I really do appreciate and and encourage you to to send them through because this um, podcast can't go on without your help, without your aid. And yeah, I really do hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Kyron out.